0: How did you learn this batik technique? I learned in Thailand. Cool.
1: In two thousand two. Did you
0: study with a Thai artist? Mm-hmm.
1: I did. Yeah, my uh, boyfriend at the time and I were living in Bangkok. We were teaching English, and uh, we met this artist who would set up on the Sunday walking street. They would shut down. I believe it was Silom or Sukhumvit, one of the big streets. And it would turn into a walking market every Sunday. And so this artist would set up, and you could just sit down and do a boutique for like a 100 baht. And so we did, and we loved it. And then we followed him around Bangkok. So he would set up at different locations, and we would go and follow him, and he would teach us new techniques. And then we bought all of our supplies from him and started doing it in our apartment in Bangkok and then carried it back with me to the States, where I continued doing it. And now I've carried it back with me to Southeast Asia to continue doing it here.
0: I'm Regina Beach, and you're listening to Saturn Returns, a podcast about life changes, events, and challenges with a clear before and after. This week you'll hear about an American textile artist living in Laos and her journey to discover her love of batik. She works with local weavers to source her materials and
1: promote and empower women.
0: Tell me about your company and your logo
1: and your design choices. Um, so my name is Bolinat Batiks. Bolinat is from India and it's something that they say when they're smoking together, charas. Bolinat sapke sap.
0: Is it like cheers or
1: like Kind a, of, like, like together, together we smoke. Okay. So I just really like the Bolinat. It's like an exclamation. And that feels positive for me. I used to enjoy smoking and making art.
0: Inanna is an American artist living and working in Laos. Her work can be found on Instagram at B-O-L-E-N-A-T-H Batiques and on Facebook at B-O-M-B-O-L-E-N-A-T-H Batiques. Inanna's home studio is in a corner of her living room with a hot pot full of wax, canisters of dyes, brushes, tools, and a big table and frame where she creates batik wall hangings, fabric for clothing, and custom cloth boots in vibrant colors.
1: Um, The design is a Trishula, which is Shiva's trident means it stands for the past, the present, and the future. Also, that ties in with Bolinat. They're honoring Shiva when they smoke together. It's kind of all tied in with my art and how I like to honor the East through this art that I learned here yeah, in so Southeast you've Asia. Yeah, spent
0: time in Thailand, in Laos, and mm-hmm. in India. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and India does batik as well.
0: Is it the same technique?
1: Yes, but they use stamps. So, I mean, they do, they do by hand too, but I'd say in like Java and India, they use stamping rather than doing it by hand.
0: Tell me about it. Um, this is the frame? Uh-huh.
1: Handmade. Gunja made it for me. Cool. It looks like PVC pipe. Uh-huh. So it's nice because then you can make it bigger, make it smaller. It's easy to work with. So this piece of fabric, did you make the frame to fit it? It was initially measured to fit that piece there that was just a test piece to test out this type of fabric and where did this fabric come from the weaving village Mm -hmm. yeah so I bought a whole roll of it over there I think they grew all the cotton there I think they grow it spin it and then weave it so it's totally locally sourced did you
0: meet the weavers
1: yeah we took a little tour and met some of them not particularly the weaver that did this fabric but this whole bolt was done by the same weaver
0: Every region in Laos contains weaving villages where women pass down traditional methods from one generation to the next. The houses are constructed on stilts and large wooden looms sit beneath the homes. Each village produces different patterns and uses techniques distinct to particular ethnic tribes.
1: Uh, It's 38 meters of fabric. I didn't uh, ask how long it takes to weave a whole bolt of fabric. I imagine it takes a while because It's done by hand.
0: Yeah, and this is pretty fine, pretty close together. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then you dyed
1: it. So I choose my fabric based on the weave because for batik you want a really tight weave. The tighter the better because it's easier to apply the wax.
0: So this one looks like the first step was making the blue and the yellow background color?
1: Um, First dye step, yes. The first step that I did was to do a first layer of wax so, these lines, when I melt out the wax, it will be the original color. Oh, so, cool. okay. So, so these, underneath
0: here will be this like off white. Yes, yes.
1: So, I did these first and then applied the color. Okay. And then today I'll wax these designs on. How do you
0: make this geometric shape?
1: Do I, you use it just by hand? I transfer it. Yeah. So, I have a drawing, it's drawn out first on paper and then I put it under the fabric and transfer it. I couldn't do that freehand.
0: They look like, kind of like spirograph, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. um, And then what type of wax are you using to make this? It's a mix of beeswax
1: and paraffin. Okay, and you melt it in this Uh hot pot. Mm Mm-hmm, so. Then what? Then I apply it by hand with this little tool here. Well, it kind of looks like like a razor kind of. It has an opening there, so you scoop the wax. This gets hot, which keeps the wax melted. And then it comes out the spout. And it just is one slow pour and Mm -hmm. you just
0: keep it moving?
1: Yeah, there's different sizes. So this one says small, so you get smaller lines. And then I have a medium and a large as well. Those are electric. So those are a little bit different. I put the wax in the little pot on the tool, and it has its own heating component.
0: So it stays the same temperature, mm-hmm. and same idea. You're dripping same it onto the
1: yes, but it takes more time, obviously, because you have to refill it and wait for the wax to melt. So it's a little bit slower using that, but it's nice because it's constant with the temperature. Whereas this, I have to redip and redip. Because it cools off pretty quickly,
0: and then once it's on here, you talk about washing it out. What's that
1: process like? <clears throat> uh, well, once it's finished, then yes, I rinse it to because right now it has soda ash in it. So just be mindful of touching it. It's a very caustic. It's a caustic powder. It's the fixative that keeps the color in the fabric. Does it make you itchy,
0: or does it make you?
1: Yeah, r- your fingers can burn a little bit. So it's better to wash your hands or wear gloves when working with it. Um, But yes, the final process is to melt out all the wax. And that takes time to get it all out. Like you can see in this one here, it's been boiled. But it still has quite a bit of wax in it still. So with each boil, more and more melts out of Mm -hmm. the fabric. Yeah, you boil it and submerge the fabric under the water and let it cool and all the wax settles on the top of the water. Can you reuse it? Mm -hmm. Yeah so you scrape off the wax let it dry and then you can take out the fabric and usually you need to boil it many times if you really want to get the wax out. You can see over there I have some small stamps so you dip it in the hot pot of wax. It's a metal usually it's copper this one's not copper Um, because copper generates heat
0: so so it stays it stays hot
1: so it's it's better whereas I think this metal is a lesser quality you can see with this one I've tried stamping but I'm not good with that yet so I've got to figure out how the best way to use that but basically you dip it in the hot wax and then transfer it on the fabric so it's a much faster more efficient way to get your your pattern on the fabric and then each pattern's identical because Mm -hmm. you're using this
0: stamp instead of doing
1: it by hand so they do this is kind of boom boom. boom. they dye it let it dry then stamp another pattern dye it let it dry and then stamp another pattern so it's all layers of wax and different colors different
0: layers Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. but i prefer doing it by hand
0: this is a kind of artistry I think about it too Mm because it's like your your hand is very much in these pieces Mm -hmm. whereas the stamp anyone can once you've mastered that technique anyone can use that stamp Nana moved to Savannah, Cat five years ago with her partner Ganjan to be closer to his family he relocated to the U.S. when he was a child as his father worked for the CIA during the secret war the couple met in Portland Oregon Nana sells her art locally and has begun shipping internationally as well
1: what types of products are you making um so this this is going to be fisherman's pants my plan is to use all that 38 meters of fabric to have fisherman's pants made Um, the center sang savan i've already discussed with them the pattern and the pricing so as soon as i have these ready to go they will go to sang savan and be sewn up for me so it's also supporting another great local project for those gals out there. They're learning a new sewing technique, a new product to make. And um yeah, that's the plan for
0: these. Synxaban helps victims of human trafficking learn vocational skills and get back on their feet. I also make shoes. Okay, so they're like a rubber sole. Yeah. And these then they have a, and what is this? Is this all is this canvas? It's cotton. 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 Yeah. Okay. It's all cotton. Yeah, so they come up like mid calf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really I have
1: cool. a short booty and a tall booty.
0: Cool. And then how do
1: they attach? They button into the string. Oh, cool. So, like that. Depending on how big your ankle is, you adjust it. Oh, you have like five yeah. different sizes yeah. that be? Yeah. Because these are for Japanese people, so... Oh, this boot, did you buy this from Japan? Yes. And then dyed it? Yes, okay. I bought 40 pairs of okay. shoes from Japan okay. as a pilot project to see how well they would market. Yeah. Something else. Which I do have scarves too. So these are some scarves I've done. These are just dyed. How do you dye them? I did a new technique called ice dye. So basically, you fold the scarf up a particular way and cover it with a bunch of ice and then sprinkle the dye on top of the ice and it does its thing. The ice slowly melts and it takes the color down into the fabric and creates its own pattern. It's a really soft,
0: nice pattern. bleeds and slowly phase like Uh magenta
1: into orange into gray Um, the dyes are natural they're not chemical based dyes so they're made from minerals and you know whatever plants and you're
0: growing your own indigo right now I am I am how's that going
1: they're growing every day (laughs) every day getting bigger (laughs) and
0: did you see in the weaving village they're doing indigo dyeing Uh uh-huh And what's the process like for that?
1: They grow it all themselves. And I found that, you know, in the weaving village, each family does their own start to finish. So they all grow their own indigo. They spin their own thread. They dye their own thread and they weave it and then take it to the cooperative center where it's sold. And that's when they make their money, when their product sells. So um, the indigo process, I guess you need quite a bit of it, I don't speak enough loud, um, but what I got is three days. It takes three days. <laughs> three days for, <laughs> for the pots and you have to boil it and extract the color from the leaf and then you let it sit for three days and then it's ready. I
0: believe. It's such, like, it's, like, miraculous to me that it goes from this green plant yeah. to this deep purple yeah. color. It's
1: amazing. So I have a lot to learn about indigo because, you know, usually I just buy all my pigment. I use um, Pro Cryon. So these are fiber-reactive dyes. They're cold-water dyes. So they're only to be used with cotton and natural fabrics. You cannot use these with synthetics.
0: And is this okay for, like, for you to work with, mm-hmm. or it's not toxic? Or it's it's not, not toxic.
1: I mean, you do need to wear a mask because if the pigment gets in your lungs, it's not.
0: But that's more about the size of the particle, exactly. not about what's in the dye. Exactly.
1: But if it gets on your skin, it's fine. You'll just have blue fingers or red fingers, which I kind of like. I like being messy, you know? It's just, eh. So, um, but I, I do generally try to wear gloves to avoid that but otherwise you, know, it's, you can put it down the drain, it's fine.
0: You have a nice little studio set up <laughs> in your house. Yes, just in my living room. Right.
1: Well, that's my workout area there. This is my little artist space. I mean, I would love to have an actual artist working space that could be a showroom, but I'm just not there yet. How do they um, get the
0: product if they want to buy it?
1: Yeah, generally social media. I've been contacted a lot through, just through Facebook, um, people wanting to actually come to my studio because they're coming to Savanaket. And I'm like, actually, it's just my house. <laughs> but that's so, a very
0: Lao way. So yeah. many people have True. their businesses out of their living they rooms. They do, they do. So you're definitely Literally.
1: into the culture <laughs> of having your
0: home and your work be overlapping so much.
1: Definitely. Laos has very expensive shipping so it's not very economical for me to have an online business here in Laos, which is kind of the the catch 22 about doing, progressing with my business and my vision here. Um, I have found some loopholes though in that like, you know, friends who are also here who go back to the States for a visit, have offered to carry items with them home and then drop them in the post for me. So that's one option. (laughs) Another option is to find a distributor. So I could just send a one-time package to say just amazon.com, for example. I send them a big big box and then they distribute for me. So that's another option that I need to look into. In my, my dream, my dream, of being an artist would be to travel. So I could go to India and set up in the markets in India during peak season, like so many other foreigners do, like they've been doing since the 60s. They go to Anjuna market and set up and sell their things. And then they maybe travel to Thailand and set up and sell at some other markets or festivals. I mean, that would be my ideal. But I'm just not there yet with my inventory because it's such a slow process that um, it will take a while for me to reach that goal, I think.
0: (laughs) You're a woman artist. Mm -hmm. All of your products are coming from women craftsmen. You're hiring out women to sew Mm -hmm. the garments once Mm -hmm. the fabric's done.
1: Yeah, I think that it's awesome that it's all women from start to finish. So the cotton's grown and spun into thread and woven by a collective of women out in the weaving village. Um, So all of my purchases for all my fabrics directly benefit these individual families. And um, yeah, when I'm ready for step two to have it created into clothing, then it's again all done by women and helping them get on their feet and gain new skills so that they can go out into the community and be self-sufficient and um, live a better life. So it's really cool that, you know, I'm just like the small middleman that adds, middle woman, I should say, that adds her uh, personal touch to the fabric to give it more life, and then it carries on for me and is given another life as to, you know, to some... Creative clothing
0: have you always been interested in the arts? Did you have like a epiphany that this is something you wanted to do
1: uh, i mean i 've always been an artist. I was born an artist. <laughs> I really was my grandmothers, my mother they 're all painters, my aunties so but they uh, typically do like oil painting. Uh, I did a little bit of oil painting when I was young, and I enjoyed it but I've always enjoyed other mediums more like oil pastels and really mixing it up and putting my own touches and blending paint and pastels and crayons. And um, so I didn't really paint so much in my youth, but then when I went to Thailand, I really loved the concept of batik because it's on fabric. You can wear it and it lasts forever. I mean, a painting you hang on your wall, it lasts forever too and it's but, beautiful and it but is. it's not functional right it just takes up space on the wall and maybe you and your family get to enjoy it whereas when you put it into fabric it has so many different possibilities and so that's when it really like did it for me you know like wow i can do so much with fabric and putting my own designs on it, and it will last a lifetime. I all I want to say is, you know, support your local artists because, really, like I'm living my dream to be able to do this here. But I'm not really getting any financial return yet, and um, it would be so nice to have more people buying my wares and, especially, supporting so many local communities. And it's truly locally sourced, and I think that's a rarity in today's world, having fabric that's truly organic, and you can tell the story of where it came from. That's really cool about textiles. They have a story to tell. I'm telling my story through my creations, and I hope that people will catch on to that and buy my wares from start to finish. Yeah, it's really a beautiful thing.
0: You've been listening to Saturn Returns. Thanks to Nana for sharing her story and art. Thanks to the women of the weaving village. And thanks to you for listening. If you like what you hear, subscribe on iTunes or at reginagbeach.com. Click on the link for Saturn Returns. You can also like and comment on the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash Saturn Returns podcast. See you next time.